Shameless Media. This episode of The Shameless Book Club is brought to you by Audible, the home of storytelling. Download the Audible app and start listening today. A good writer can create an entire universe with nothing more than words. But what happens when real life is even more outrageous than a story in a book? Welcome to Stranger Than Fiction, where we investigate the intriguing world of writers and the bizarre reality behind some of the world's most famous stories. I'm your host, Eilish Gilligan, and today I am joined by shameless podcast producer and host of Everybody Has a Secret, Annabelle Lee. Oh my God, hi. Hi. What an intro line. I was like, <laughs> that is gripping. I'm ready for this episode. <laughs> oh my God, we haven't even gotten started yet. So, Annabelle, this is your first ever episode of Stranger Than Fiction. How are you feeling? Good, good. I don't know anything. I don't know what topic we're covering today, but I'm excited. Okay, I'm going to ask you a leading question. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of romance books? Absolutely. It's my favourite genre. I love I love a good sex scene as well. Amazing. <laughs> okay, I'm so glad you've said that because today we have a story about a self-published romance author who has caused quite a stir within the community recently. Ooh. Ooh, how? Well, I know that's what you're going to be explaining to me. <laughs> Actually, don't answer that question. I'm going to tell you exactly how right now. Perfect. Let's get straight into it. <laughs> to start off, we need to talk about a book called Chance Encounter by an author called Susan Meachin. So in 2017, author Susan Meachin self-published her first book. It was a romance titled Chance Encounter, the first of a series of two full-length books. The cover artwork for the audiobook features a stock image of a beautiful woman being pushed against a wall by a handsome man. I don't know the one, but I can picture the yeah, cover. Stand it. I actually <laughs> want to show you it because Please. it's quite good. Oh, okay. This is actually not what I was picturing. Uh-huh. I was picturing like her hair flowing in the wind, him and her both not very clothed. But no, they've got very like modern clothes on. They're yep. in like t-shirts, bit of a collar going on. But alas, it's still pretty saucy. Oh, yeah. Yes. And how would you describe it as looking like somebody had made it in Photoshop or Canva by any chance? <laughs> yes. And it looks like, no offense, both of the actors in those photos were paid very little. It's giving like stock image. Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's the vibe. So what is Chance Encounter about? Chance Encounter tells the story of Emily, an 18-year-old girl from the wrong side of the tracks who just wants to graduate high school, go to college and escape her troubled upbringing. That is, until she meets Blake Shaw, or Mr. Wall Street, as she calls him. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Wall Street. It's giving like Mr. Big. I was just going to say, it's like big Mr. Big energy. Back to Mr. Wall Street, though. A wealthy socialite who is all-consumingly obsessed with her. Of course. So she's in high school. And he's on Wall Street. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really glad you picked that up. So as it turns out, Emily was sold into sex work by her mother at 16 years old. Oh, my God. Luckily, Blake purchased her without Emily's knowledge and continued to, quote, pay for her for the next two years to ensure that she would be kept safe and wouldn't be forced into any sexual situations. Blake, who is about 40 years old, by the way, fell deeply in love with a 16-year-old from afar and vowed to make her his own as soon as she reached 18, which is when the events of the book take place. No, I hate this so much. Also, may I say, the people in the stock photos are not giving us the correct details because they do not look like they have that big age gap between them. That's actually so true. (laughs) Misleading. Yes, misleading. (laughs) 
Also, another defining feature of this book is that there's a lot of sex. Like, a oh, lot. great. Yes. Oh, actually, no. I know the like the plot of this story, and I actually don't think I want to be reading sex scenes to do with these two people. Well, yes, two people. Yeah. It's, it's largely. I actually didn't finish the book, but it's largely those Fair. two people. <laughs> <laughs> but she is eighteen at this point. Okay. The narrative exists to provide context to all the sex, like a lot of romance books. Yeah. We could almost call everything in the book that isn't sex foreplay, or at least it's all a part of the fantasy. As an audience, we have to know that Blake is wealthy because that's just as much a part of the story as his rock hard abs. Like that's all part of the turn on. <laughs> The shopping spree that Emily goes on and Blake pays for, where she slays and every dress is all part of it too. Yes. It's like, it's literally like Pretty Woman. It is. It's truly that. Everything is perfect because naturally that makes for great sex. So in her online bio, Susan Meachin wrote, When I decided to jump into the ring of author, I had no desire writing the average romance like so many others do. I wanted to make my leads flawed. It's how I came up with my tagline, author of perfectly flawed romances. There's never a guaranteed H-E-A. Now, Annabelle, do you know what a H-E-A is? Oh, should I guess? Yeah, Wait, there's never a guaranteed H-E-A. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) I don't know why I just volunteered to guess. Um, He... (laughs) I take back what I said. You just tell me. (laughs) He... (laughs) <laughs> so H-E-A stands for happily ever after oh my god yes that makes total sense yeah so I could go on a whole tangent about this so there's H-E-A which is happily ever after and H-F-N which is happily for now I'm pretty oh, sure which is okay. really fascinating a lot of romance books have like a disclaimer when there's not a happy ending yeah because a lot of people aren't looking for that okay regardless This is the quote. There's never a guaranteed H-E-A in any of my books, but they are packed full of emotions and love nonetheless. So the community of authors who self-publish their own romance novels is vibrant, eccentric, surprisingly large, and at times impressively influential. Did you know that Fifty Shades of Grey, arguably the most popular romance novel of all time with over 150 million copies sold worldwide, was actually originally self-published? I should know that because I have read those books. Would you classify that as fan fiction? Because that was kind of supposed to be a bit of a side thing to Twilight, right? I would classify it as fan fiction. Yeah, I suppose. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like fan fiction flying off on its own. The world of self-published romance authors, otherwise known as Romance Landia, grew substantially in the early 2010s following the success of Fifty Shades of Grey and the rising popularity of ebook readers, giving romance fans a chance to read some seriously steamy stuff without having to declare the fact to an entire train carriage through the book's dust cover. Exactly. Exactly. I also like lied about it. I was like, I'm not reading what I haven't read. I think for years I was like, no, I haven't read those books, but I have. <laughs> Don't be ashamed, people. Don't I've learned from my mistakes. <laughs> They're popular for a reason. Yeah. So Romance Landia is an intensely online community. Authors often connect over social media, taking to dedicated forums and in particular Facebook groups to share stories and ask for advice on everything from sourcing cover artwork to freelance editor costs to whether or not it would be, quote, in character for a protagonist to say the phrase, my cock twitched. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? I feel like that sentence has been in so many books that I've read. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I genuinely saw that. (laughs) 
that when I was looking in these groups and I was like, you know what? Slay. That's so <laughs> sick. And they, everyone was genuinely helping in the comments as well. It's just like so nice. <laughs> these online spaces for self-published authors are drawn tense with a unique and heady cocktail of desire and fantasy. Tail, yes, get it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mixed with genuine work ethic, drive and passion for the written word. Like, these people work really hard. This yeah. is a side hustle. For all the passion and fervor, Romancelandia is somewhat a tumultuous space. Speaking to the New York Times, author and blogger at Smart Bitches Trashy Books, Sarah Wendell describes romance author Facebook groups as epicenters of non-stop drama. Now, around the time that Susan published Chance Encounter, she established a Facebook group called The Ward, which was ostensibly a humorous reference to a psychiatric ward, which functioned as a fan page and community space. By 2020, the ward had around 700 members. So it's pretty healthy following. For her part, Susan also used the ward as a place to vent about the romance community. The theme of Susan's vent posts usually circulated around feeling unappreciated in the community. So did Chance Encounter not do very well or did it have kind of a following? So Susan herself had kind of a following. Okay. I think there's a couple of elements here. She was incredibly prolific, like many self-published romance authors are. They write a lot of books in a quick period of time Mm. and get them all published as soon as they can. But I think something that really contributed to the fact that her books weren't super successful was that there's just a saturation of the market. Like there's so many self-published authors that are all trying to sell their books at the same time that you can't all be E.L. James, you yes, know? Yes, yes. Um, she needed more H.E.A.s as well in there yes, too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Tip from Annabelle, Susan. <laughs> so she spoke to her audience about fellow authors that she had helped with their work but who had not reached out to help her. She complained about her experiences in the romance world and threatened to leave the community altogether. So this is a big thing in the romance world. Like you'll edit somebody's book and they might edit your book when you're ready. Like there's a lot of give and take, which is lovely. Like Mm. it's beautiful. So by mid-2020, Susan had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and was prescribed medication for anxiety, depression and psychosis by her psychiatrist. In her posts to the ward, she would occasionally make mention of her battle with mental illness, sometimes directly addressing, quote, the scary people in her head. So she was dealing with a lot of the time. Yeah, it's interesting to me that no one in her life was like, maybe take a break from posting on Facebook, posting on the ward. That's an interesting point, mm. Annabelle. Ah, Very good. interesting. <laughs> Pat myself on the back of that. <laughs> These posts did worry her audience, Mm. but as fellow author Kimberly Grell explained to the New York Times, there wasn't much they could do beyond express their support because, of course, these are virtual friendships. Mm. They're not in the same state. They may not even be in the same country. Kimberly Grell said she was becoming pretty chaotic. It just seemed like every problem that surfaced with her she was in the middle of, and it turned to where she was the victim of it all. On September 1, 2020, Susan posted the following statement to the ward announcing her sudden departure from the romance industry. Quote, Everyone, my assistant will be keeping the ward as I am taking my leave of the industry. Treat her with the respect she deserves. She put up with my bipolar ass for almost four years without a moment's hesitation along the way. For the ones who are here from the start, thank you for loving my twisted shit, but this is where I get off the ride. No one should want to die when they work for themselves. And every day it got to the point I'd rather be dead than to deal with the industry and people who swear they are friends. 
I've had some dog-eat-dog jobs in my life, but this one is by far the most vicious and the least amount of money. Enjoy your time in this world because trust me, not one of us is getting out of it alive and not one book status will be spoken of once your last breath is drawn. Wow, that's really interesting. I wonder what the comments were like. Like, did you have other people in the industry being like, I hear you, like, this is happening to me too? Or was it kind of just a one-sided thing? I think a lot of people could relate to what she was saying. Like, Mm. I think in any community where there's a reliance on, like, free labour and, like, helping each other out... I think there's always going to be a level of resentment within the community when somebody feels that they're giving more than they're getting back. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of people could relate to what she was saying, but I think largely people were a bit shocked that she'd made this grand statement. Did Um, she come back eventually? Well... <laughs> I think an accurate prediction, Annabelle. I referred to myself in third person like many times in this episode. So sorry. <laughs> this kind of post was not necessarily unusual coming from Susan, but her apparent departure from the entire community altogether was definitely abrupt. According to YouTuber Izzy's, the group remained largely dormant for the next month, with members wondering exactly what had gone down. So on October 22, 2020, Susan's assistant and reigning administrator of the ward shared a jarring post to the group. It read, Please share. Before Susan Meachin passed away, she had written her last book, Love to Last a Lifetime. She wanted to have it published by her daughter's wedding. This is it. It is on pre-order now for $1.99. So Susan's passed away. Apparently so. Oh, but she are apparently being the operative word. But ladies and gentlemen, she's alive. (laughs) So she wanted to have this book published before her Susan's daughter's wedding. Yes. Okay. It was a wedding gift to her daughter. Right. Apparently. So this was the first mention of Susan's death anywhere on the internet at all, including over at the ward. So group members were shocked, upset and really confused. Why hadn't the group admin at least made a dedicated post about Susan's death before trying to sell her last book? In response to a flood of questions, Susan's daughter used her mother's Facebook account to make the following post. Quote, Sorry, thought everyone on this page knew my mum passed away. Dead people don't post on social media. I've been on this account for a week now, finishing her last book, my wedding gift from her. If you'd like to talk to some of the people who have been helping me, let me know. We've asked for very little from everyone, but I'm asking that you leave our assistant alone. She has been a saint through this. All she deserves is some peace. Again, please be respectful. Now here's the link to her last book and goodbye. Wow. I feel like I was smiling through that and I don't, well, I know that Susan's not, hadn't passed. So I just feel like it's funny because at the start of that statement, she was like a bit gaslighty, like as if you guys didn't know she was dead when it's like, you didn't tell anyone. I do feel a little bit for Susan Meachin's community here because it does feel a little bit short. Mm. And I think that because there were so many people asking questions and like, oh my God, what happened? What happened? It does show that like the gaslighting's not working. Like no one knew. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look at the aftermath of this statement because it caused some shockwaves. No official cause of death was ever revealed directly to the ward. However, in a story covering the situation in the New York Times, they quoted a post that apparently appeared on Susan's Facebook page in October 2020. Author Susan Meachin left this world behind Tuesday night for bigger and better things. Please leave us alone. We have no desire in this messed up industry. So it was implied by admin posts and Susan's daughter posting from Susan's Facebook account that Susan had actually taken her own life due to bullying within the romance community. 
So now it seems that Susan was actually bullied within the community rather than just feeling as though she was giving and not really receiving anything back. Yeah. Okay. Within this. So there are many layers. There's many layers. And the added layer is that she, I am assuming, didn't pass. Well. Oh, no. Maybe I'm assuming wrong. (laughs) It's, It's very complicated. And also we have to assume that if she was being bullied, we don't know what was going down in her DMs. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was true, you know? Maybe it was true, maybe it wasn't. We don't really know. So Susan was a well-known figure in the wider romance community. She made a habit of reaching out to new authors, offering to help with cover art and marketing for their books. That's so kind. So lovely. So upon learning of Susan's death, fellow romance author Cy Marie Johnson reached out to Susan's daughter, offering to edit her last book for free as a tribute. Cy wrote online at the time, Susan, I will never, ever forget how kind you were to me. I only wish you would have known I would have talked to you through the night. I'd have defended you against your bullies. I will do everything I can to make a difference so your death is not in vain. A group of authors even dedicated a, quote, paranormal bully romance anthology to Susan's memory, entitled Bully King Anthology. The dedication within the book read, For Susan Meachin, an author of what she called perfectly flawed romances. The world is a little less bright without her. Words can hurt, but they don't have to. Words can heal. Let's keep bullying where it belongs, in fiction. Have you ever heard of paranormal bully romance as a genre? No. When you said let's keep bullying in fiction, I was like, oh, I haven't read bullying in fiction before. I can't believe you haven't heard of this genre, Annabelle. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) The blurb for Bully King Anthology gives the uninitiated an insight into what the subgenre entails. Mm -hmm. Fall in love with the jaded lead, root for the drop-dead sexy antihero, and run from, or to, dangerous creatures of the night. Succubi, vampires, shifters... Fae, Magical Academies, and more. The Bully King Anthology is a collection of dangerously sexy tales written by a collective of talented authors that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Wow, okay. Yeah, so obviously not going to yuck anyone's yum. That's a lovely thing for people to be into if they're into it. I'm just realising how much of like a a book silly person (laughs) I am. There's a whole world out there that I just did not know about. There is a big world out there I'm telling you right now my one thing with this is I do find it a bit of a questionable move to dedicate a book where bullying is the kink to a woman who has apparently died by suicide due to bullying yeah you're so right yeah yeah I feel that that was quite a strange move but you know what moving on it's very off it's not very tasteful at all. The whole thing is off. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why we're telling this exactly. story. <laughs> so the Facebook group, The Ward, became a place for friends and fans of Susan to post their condolences and memories of the author. Anti-bullying charities and fundraisers were also shared to the group. According to an anonymous author, Susan's grieving fans even funded her funeral costs. Oh, so she had a huge following then. Yeah, yeah, she really did. She had a lot more support than I think she actually realised. Yeah. Yeah, which is shame. so sad. Yeah. yeah. Susan's daughter, posting from Susan's Facebook account again, encouraged members of the ward to purchase her mother's final book, Love to Last a Lifetime, as a way to support the Meacham family after her passing and keep her memory alive. So group members, who were super keen to show their support, complied 
and also promoted the book to their own audiences. So it was a great little promotional push yeah. for Love to Last a Lifetime. According to fellow author Samantha A. Cole, shortly after Susan's death, members of the romance community began accusing each other of bullying Susan before she died. Oh no, they're turning on each other. Exactly. So speaking to Rolling Stone, and can I just say, side note, I've got a lot of quotes from Rolling Stone, New York Times. Eyes are on this. Yeah, this is like legit stuff. Yeah. So she was speaking to Rolling Stone and she said, Susan's death tore the book community apart when everyone started pointing fingers at people who allegedly bullied her. Innocent people were accused. It took months for the tension to die down. Speaking to the New York Times, Cy Marie Johnson, who was another author in the community, said Susan's death caused a huge shift in this community. There was a lot of drama, but this was the tidal wave. Nobody before had gotten so abused that they wanted to commit suicide. Despite expressing her disdain towards the romance community for allegedly causing her mother's death, Susan's daughter continued to post to the ward using her mother's account. Often, she would complain about the difficulties of maintaining her mother's catalogue and ask for advice from the community on how to proceed. It's not easy to be a self-published author. I think that's like one thing that I learned when I was researching this episode. Like you have to do everything yourself. Everything a publishing house would do for you if you had a deal. Promotion, admin, like the logistics of actually getting your book from your computer to the world, like front cover stuff. Which can get quite expensive, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's actually really hard. So in January 2021, she posted, Mum's book sales and page reads have declined since she passed to zero this month. I work the audiobooks a few days a week and hell, it's hard to give them away, let alone sell one. In February 2021, she posted, unless something changes in the next 21 days, all of mum's books will be unpublished. The only way you'll be able to get the books will be through audio. Her sales and page reads have been zero for a few months now, and it's a waste of my time to work them every morning after work with zero movement. Hell, we even hired a PA to help and it's not helped any so far. So if you want any of her work, then now is the time to pick them up. Also, this account will be dark except for audio promoting. So I believe that to keep a book on Amazon, you actually have to pay a fee. Yeah. And like the idea is that people buy the book and it covers the fee and then you get a profit. Okay. So sure enough, Susan's books were soon actually pulled from Amazon. Fans expressed sadness that Susan's legacy was now unpublished and the ward became a relatively inactive group, save for a couple of admin changes. Had the ward grown at all since Susan's passing? I believe it stayed about the same. Okay, yeah. same kind of community. Yeah, it definitely grew in a little bit of time. Ah, <laughs> because of a, a controversy that's coming up. Exactly. Notably, a Facebook account named TN Steel was appointed a new admin, and despite their claims that they planned to revive the ward, things remained quiet within the group. That was until January 2, 2023. But Annabelle, we are going to find out more after the break. There is honestly no better feeling than getting stuck into a good story, which is why I'm so happy that today's sponsor is Audible. I have no doubt that as a book club listener, you know how exciting it can be to get so captivated by a good plot, one that is so entertaining you just can't put it down. Audible has such a big range of audiobooks, podcasts and Audible originals in their library, so it's easy to find your next great listen. 
One of my favourite audiobooks on Audible was Red, White and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. We've actually reviewed it on this very book club, but in case you missed that episode, it follows Alex, the first son of the United States and his relationship with Prince Henry, a British prince. It was such a sweet story with the most beautiful characters, which made it the perfect audiobook to listen to while trying to have a break from my day to day and just escape reality. If you're looking for a lighthearted audiobook like Red, White and Royal Blue that can easily transport you to another world, then Audible is the app for you. They have an extensive collection in their library, so there is something for everyone. Download the Audible app to browse and listen to their audiobooks, podcasts and Audible originals. Thank you so much to Audible for making this episode of The Shameless Book Club possible. So we're back from break and we are at January 2, 2023. So Oh, that's this year. It is. So this is all bubbling up like pretty recently. This is recent. This happened over the last couple of months. Okay. Yeah. So on January 2, a post appeared on the ward from Susan Meachin's Facebook account. It read, I debated on how to do this a million times and still not sure if it's right or not. There's going to be tons of questions and a lot of people leaving the group, I'd guess. But my family did what they thought was best for me and I can't fault them for it. I almost died again at my own hand and they had to go through all that hell again. Returning to the ward doesn't mean much, but I'm in a good place now and I am hoping to write again. Let the fun begin. So, much to her community shock, Susan Meachin was actually not dead. Oh my god! Yeah, I knew, I you knew, knew it. it. <laughs> I knew it. So, did she fake her death because she was actually going through the bullying, though? Well, that's also another kind of open-ended answer. Yeah, we actually don't really know, and I don't think any of us, by the way, have ever seen any screenshots or any kind of like physical proof that she was bullied like actually bullied not that I'm trying to invalidate her experience at all I'm sure that she went through like she's got a lot of mental illness and I'm sure something like really awful happened to her and she went through this but the bullying we actually don't know big question mark over the bullying big question mark especially because like there's been an outpouring of support yeah you know and people were probably like really attached to her and her writing and and went through a form of grief right totally a hundred percent so the romance community was not impressed and that is an understatement (laughs) these people had genuinely grieved for susan Mm. and surrounded her family with support both emotional and financial after her That's true, I forgot about the money. Yeah. So author Samantha A. Cole posted a lengthy statement to her Facebook page that read, I'm not sure where to start. Last night, I got a message asking if I remember Susan Meachin. Of course I did. And within the hour, I was horrified, stunned, livid, and it's gotten worse. In September of 2020, Susan Meachin's daughter, supposedly it was her daughter, signed into her mother's profile and announced that Susan had taken her own life devastation from her friends fellow authors and readers followed allegedly she'd been bullied in the book world to the point of suicide what followed was rants from said daughter about how horrid the book world had been to susan and the family wanted nothing to do with the book world from that point on however they did want to honor their mother's memory by publishing the last book she wrote which they did friends authors and readers shared the release We grieve for the loss of the woman we considered a friend. 
I personally was harassed by another author who loves to create drama, claiming I was one of the authors who bullied Susan and drove her to suicide. I was heartbroken when I realized it's been a few months since I chatted with Susan in the PMs and wished I'd reached out sooner and maybe it would have made a difference for her to know there were people who supported her. Last night, a post was made in Susan's old reader group, The Ward, from Susan's profile. Apparently, she's not dead. The new admin, TN Steele, was a profile she made a month after her alleged suicide. So Samantha also attached screenshots of her recent messages with Susan's Facebook page, who, you know, was ostensibly run by Susan. Mm -hmm. The screenshots revealed Susan allegedly telling Samantha, nothing is going on. I simply want my life back. My family was in a bad place and did what they thought was best for me. Right, so Susan's saying that her family made the decision and she really had nothing to do with it. Pretty much. And she's also just saying to Samantha, like, after, you know, months and months of being dead, she's just like, yeah, nothing's nothing's up. Yeah. I just want to come back now. pretty chill. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is such a strange story. It's also just like a really warped thing when a story about bullying leads to people in the community turning on each other and essentially bullying each other. Totally. It's just, we see this a lot as well in the real world with celebrities and everything. It's just fucked. Can I swear? Totally. I mean, yes, yeah. I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like, I really feel for Samantha here because I think she's like the voice of a lot of people in the romance community, in the self-published author community. When she says stuff like, people were attacking me and like accusing me of being the one who bullied her and I had to defend myself and it was just really stressful. It sounds awful. And now Susan's just saying like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm back. Not When she's affected so many people. Exactly. I do want to say though, I also kind of, this is classic me, I also feel bad for Susan because I'm thinking we know there's other stuff going on behind the scenes and like in her head and everything. I'm just like, maybe it was not a good call to fake your death by suicide, but I do think that time away from that space totally was maybe a good call i don't know i'm confusing myself even by saying that and also the family i guess would have been in on it yeah totally the whole family was in on it as we're about to find out but i agree with you like i feel for her i think she genuinely has something going on it's really really hard to be like an independent artist like it's really difficult and i can empathize with that Faking your own death is just not the way to deal with yes, it. Like, people would have been able to empathise, I think, with her in a similar way if she hadn't, yeah, you know, faked exactly. her death. I think she's made it so hard for everyone to be able to feel for her. And then also to be like, yeah, nothing's up. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, girl. Come on. <laughs> in a follow-up post, Samantha also alleged that before her death, Susan solicited the community for donations for various medical treatments, including an experimental kidney treatment for herself and the removal experimental kidney treatment Uh uh-huh okay and the removal of a large mass on her husband's forehead so she has asked for money from the community as well Mm. before she quote-unquote died did she get the money for those treatments it's actually really hard to tell if she did or not yeah because all i can see are like facebook screenshots from like various sources i do believe like I can say with quite a lot of confidence that people did donate to these causes. I don't know if they were fully funded, but definitely money was donated. People care about her, which exactly. is the beautiful and sad thing about this story. Exactly. So also Susan's married. What was her husband doing this whole time? We're about to find out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to say for what it's worth, Susan has not been charged with anything. And the claims of her asking for money for these medical treatments have not been reliably substantiated. 
So many members of the romance community were approached by the media for comment on the story. In an interview with the Daily Mail, Susan's editor, Casey Hill, claimed that after her um, resurrection... <laughs> don't know How do we put it? it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Susan privately admitted to her that the admin account TN Steel was actually run by Susan, which is why I mentioned TN Steel in the first place. Mm-hmm. In the same interview... Casey also noted that posts from Susan's daughter looked suspiciously similar to Susan's own writing style. For example, both Susan and Susan's daughter had a habit of misspelling the word supposed. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) So this editor is alleging that all of the posts from like admins in the ward Facebook group throughout Susan's death were Susan. I just, yeah, Susan, if you're going to be pretending to be your daughter, you got to put your work through Grammarly or something. Like, I don't know, yeah. change up your writing style. Or be like, a better liar. Make You figured out how to make a new Facebook account for TN Steel, so maybe make one for your daughter. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the daughter already had one. Yeah. Who knows? Very complicated. Also, the editor added that everything looked exactly how Susan messaged me and how Susan wrote her books. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so most members of the romance community, and as the story reached the mainstream, the general public, just wanted to know why. Why did Susan fake her death? Apparently disappear for two years. It was two years. That's it. <laughs> just, can we just say it? it was two years? And was she like, I mean, I don't know how big of a following exactly she had and if people would have spotted her in public, but was she like exiting her home with like sunnies on and like a cat being like, I'm not here. <laughs> oh my God, I really hope so. <laughs> So why did she disappear for two years and then randomly decide to return? So in the days following, Susan herself did not comment on the furor surrounding her resurrection. She kept her silence on the matter, except for in the DMs, until the New York Times published the story A Fake Death in Romancelandia. The story features interview snippets with Susan, her husband and her daughter, as well as other figures in the romance community who knew her. The piece reads, In a series of interviews, Susan said the online community had become a treacherous place for a person in her mental state as she struggled to manage a new diagnosis of bipolar disorder. I actually don't think that is an unfair statement to me. Yeah, that seems totally true. Truly. And if she had just said that yeah. and then exited for the two years. Totally. This wouldn't, I mean, then this wouldn't be an episode and we wouldn't have anything to talk about, but I think that would have been like totally fine. I think honestly, the community seems so, like for the, all their flaws, they seem like a supportive community. And I think everyone would have been just like, yeah, go get healthy. Like that's so fine. Understandable. Yeah. yeah. So speaking to the publication, Susan said, I think it's a very dangerous mix-up, especially if you have a mental illness. I would log on and get in, and at some point in my day, my two worlds would collide, and it would be hard to differentiate between book world and the real world. It was like they would sandwich together. So in the piece, Susan explained that she was first introduced to, quote, the book world, as she calls it, when she was home alone when her husband was working as a long-haul truck driver. She described the online romance community as an escape, a timeout, a break from everyday reality. The article explained that over time, her appreciation for the online romance community became more of a harmful addiction. As she maintained a near-constant social media presence and the drama between community members in the ward left her seething. I actually have seen this in my real life. People who are just like, I think the phrase is chronically online. (laughs) Yes. And they're so, yeah, it's like their whole world. Yes. 
it starts to mess with you. It's not healthy. It's really not. Susan's husband, Troy, also spoke to the publication. So Miss Meachin's husband, Troy, said he came to see the book world as a danger to his wife's welfare. When she sent out samples of her work to other authors, the responses she got were often, quote, really brutal, he said. When writing, he said, she had periods of mania and psychosis. He worried that it was too dangerous to leave her alone during the day. He said it got to the point where it was like, enough is enough. So it really is messing with her mental health, Mm. this process. I totally think that's valid, but it's like faking your death. It's like not true. And I feel like that would also be bad for your mental health. Like, I don't know. This would not at all be helping, I don't think. This is so tricky. And also if she's faked her death and then apparently has access to the account anyway through like all these different Facebook accounts, she has access to the group, then she's seeing all of this stuff about people grieving and people donating money and people offering their services. I just think that's really not healthy. Yeah, like (laughs) it's so mammoth of a lie that it's going to be affecting different parts of your thing anyway like i'm not sure so the article reveals the truth behind susan's fake death on september 10 mr meachin was away hauling a shipment of chemicals the article then goes on to describe susan's suicide attempt which i'm not going to go into according to the report he instructed their daughter to announce her death online quote i told them that she is dead to the indie world the internet because we had to stop her period she could not stop it on her own and even to this day i'll take a hundred percent of the blame the accolades whatever you want to call it right so do we think that's true or do we think that susan's family was just trying to take some of that load off her and be a supportive family it's hard to say for sure what actually happened because obviously the only people that know are her family yeah but i can totally see her family stepping up because as you would like understandably you'd step up and be like you know what we're gonna shoulder this burden with you no matter what you've done it doesn't matter let's work it out together yeah it does make sense because she is so mentally unstable they wouldn't want her to continue being the person facing the brunt of all of this stuff yeah exactly and so when it came to revealing that she was actually alive the new york times notes that susan did not see it as a particularly big deal Eager to resume writing under her own name, she had been considering such a move for about a year. Speaking to the publication, she said, I'm sorry for their mourning, but from a legal standpoint, I did nothing wrong. Morally, I might have done something wrong. I might have. Yeah, (laughs) definitely, Susan. (laughs) But legally, there's nothing wrong. The romance world wasn't good for me. I wish I had never met the book industry whatsoever. Interesting that she would want to jump back into the community that she says caused so much harm. But, I, you know, I guess it's her prerogative. She can do what she wants. Yeah, it seems like she really actually loved elements of the space as well. So I can kind of see why she wants to come back, but I'm also kind of bewildered by the choice. Yeah, exactly. So Susan and her family were profiled in the New York Times in a massive feature mm-hmm. and photos and everything. This has been unbelievable publicity for susan yeah like for better or worse everybody knows her now and has you she know? published a book since then i know this happened in jan our last update I was don't in jan believe this year so i don't believe so but honestly i'm kind of excited to see what she does next <laughs> like, are we gonna read it <laughs> i think i might i'm kind of interested so that is a wrap for stranger than fiction this month thank you so much for being here annabelle thank you eilish gilligan <laughs> for taking me on that ride my god i was just like guessing where it was going the entire time and I feel like I did pretty good you did amazing (laughs) I was like you were just like it's this it's this she's gonna (laughs) 
Faker on desk, she's gonna be alive, blah, 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 blah. I love that I just like led you into complimenting me. I was like, how, <laughs> Eilish, how good did I do? No, Eilish, you did incredibly well. Thank you so much for telling that story. No worries. So you can follow The Shameless Book Club on Instagram and TikTok at The Shameless Book Club. Bye. Bye. <laughs> This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.